Welcome to Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with candid conversations about cyber and tech-related issues with your host, Kath Nibbs. Do you know your GDPR from your ISO? Is your business cyber secure? If not, give agency a call on 03455 760 999. You can visit their website at www.theagency.com. An agency is with an I, not a Y. Welcome to this week's episode with Dr. Jessica Stone. Uh, This week's conversation is all things digital Santre. And we have a really, really good conversation, uh, particularly about uh, what the Santre is, how it works, how it can be used in therapy, um, we briefly touch on uh, Jessica's book, Integrating Technology into Therapeutic Practices, and where I didn't give that much time this week, um, hopefully I will get to speak to her again, and we'll have that conversation in more depth so that um, you can increase your knowledge around technology and therapy um, from that book. Um, so I've just released a blog which is about using tech and therapy. And I have a course coming up for anybody who wishes to begin to understand how to use technology and therapy, which will include uh, using the equipment itself, um, which is great fun because that's kind of what therapy is all about, really. Um, Hopefully we will have more on this subject going forward um, because I really, really do want to bring this to um, the psychotherapy and counselling world Um, as we move with technology. See you all next time. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Jessica Stone, who's a clinical psychologist and a registered play supervisor. Um, The reason I've brought Dr. Stone on today is because we're going to talk about two things that she's been involved with. Um, One of them is the virtual Santre, um, of which I have purchased and used it um, with my nephew and played about on it quite a bit myself. And you also have a book, um, you, it's you, using digital technologies around therapy as well, isn't it? So we're going to kind of cover both both topics. Um, but first, we're going to start with the virtual Santre. So do you want to begin with how you came to design what, you know, how did it start? Well, thank you for having me on. Yes, the virtual Santre is something that is very near and dear to me because it's been such a work of passion over the last few years. The, the way it came about is there was a crisis situation in Japan uh, in 2011 when the tsunamis hit and mm-hmm. a good friend and colleague of mine put out a plea on Facebook saying, we need materials if anybody can send anything. And she was basically in ground zero trying to work with the families and the children. Yeah. And Santre is very popular in Japan. And I started to think, how on earth are they going to do Santre because they don't have what you need? And I went around and I got together a bunch of toys and I donated them. Uh, FedEx here in the U.S. was very kind and sent them over for free and felt really good about all of that. But then I kept thinking, we really need portable Santre. And I know we have these kits that we can still lug around and it's still sand and it's still heavy and it's messy. And how do you choose the proper miniatures? Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, you'll, you'll take the 25 or however many you can fit in your bag and that client really needed the one that you didn't bring yeah, or, or something like that. So, and I know people use things symbolically and they'll do substitutes and that's all great, but it's still, how, how do you do that whole process properly? And it's difficult and messy to lug around. So I just started to say to my husband, we need something really, truly portable. And then all of a sudden it came to me, it needs to be on an iPad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, I asked him if he could help me with that because he taught himself how to program when he was a teenager, which still shocked me. I think that's wow. amazing. Yeah. I know. And, and he said he didn't have time at the time. And, and so I, I kind of tabled the project. And then he said, why don't you call around and see how much it'll be to get this project started for yourself since I don't have time. Mm -hmm. So I started to call around and the least expensive in U.S. dollars was 35,000 just to start. And so, yeah, so I decided that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And um, then just kind of put it away for a couple of years, talked to my older sons about maybe can you guys learn more about programming and we can at least do something with this? And, and that never took off. They were at a point that they were finishing high school and beginning college. So anyway, all of a sudden my husband comes in and says, I'm going to start that project for you. And as we who are in partnerships know that that could mean anything. I'm going to start <laughs> that project for you. Yeah. The shelves. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. It could be anything. So I said, so which project? And he said the sand tray. So to to do a long story short, he started working on it and it, it's even better than I had initially envisioned. He has done some amazing mm. additions to it. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Then I started thinking about the, the need for this in, in other arenas, not just something like crisis, but about even in our offices where people I have a client who's in a wheelchair and he can get pretty close to the tray but he has some difficulty picking out the the miniatures Um, he doesn't have a lot of core strength so so reaching and all of that is difficult for him Mm -hmm. even getting up to the tray he's got to turn at an awkward angle to to access the tray and there was a day when I put the sand tray virtual sand tray in his lap on the ipad pro so a nice big screen size and he was able to do it and he just looked up at me and said i can do this and i said yes you can so there's just so many people don't want to touch the sand they have tactile concerns because a lot of people say to me but what about the tactile and the tactile is exactly why some people won't use the sand tray Mm mm-hmm and and think about it even in terms of trauma. If you have somebody who's been highly traumatized, it, that sensory experience could trigger them. They may not yeah. be ready for that highly yeah. sensory experience. So there's a lot of different directions and arenas you can go in, and and that's the basis and why this project came to be. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking. Actually, I'm just thinking about that. There was. Um a time I was seeing a little boy who'd been um who was traumatized I'll just keep it at that um who was traumatized and I'd gone into the the room where I was working and there was a real sand tray so I I lugged it out carried it out went and put it in a different room went downstairs went downstairs to go and collect my client walked back into the room 
and unbeknownst to me whilst I've been away somebody gone and put it back in and I was like oh no and of course this little boy walked in went straight to the sand tray and unfortunately it was it was overwhelming um so that there is something about I've just done a um a lecture for somebody about um working with children and one of the things I said is you have to train in the methods um yeah. you know and a, th- a three-day course just learning how to use Santra isn't enough to understand what it's like for children with sensory processing disorder for trauma you know you have to bear in mind some children just don't like the st- like the the almost stickiness of it because you have to you have to kind of clap your hands don't you to get it off and it can, it can right. be distressing more than helpful. Yeah, there's a lot of different directions in it that we could go in in conversation around sand tray. It seems so simplistic when you describe it to people that you're putting miniatures in the sand and you're creating mm. a world. And it, and it really is incredibly complex. So people, whether they're doing virtual or they're doing traditional training and supervision is so, so important. It's a projective mm-hmm. technique. You're taking the content that's inner and you're putting it outer to, to make it yeah. more simplistic and and not in a way that is controlled by your frontal lobe. So mm-hmm. by definition, you're going to be getting content and having them have experiences that if you're not prepared as a clinician, to help them with that, manage it, guide them, whatever needs to happen, depending on the client in the session, mm-hmm. then you very well could get yourself into a, a difficult situation clinically. Absolutely. And, and I wonder actually if that's been in your experience. I know I've, I've particularly found this working as a supervisor when somebody's explained what happened in the sand tray and actually there's been no understanding about the unconscious processes, no closure at the end. You know, it's, it's a really, really big subject matter. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this, I mean, the Santra in terms of portability, um, so like, like yourself, I put it onto an iPad pro so that I could sit with my, uh, my clients. I, when, when I think I happened upon, um, yourself and the, the Santra, uh, app, um, I, I think I actually found it on the app store first before I'd recognized that you, that, that you were the person that had done this and I've been following you on Facebook and yeah, it was one of those moments where I'd not put two and two together. Um, uh, when when I actually got it, I kind of just looked and went, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, hospitals, people who are bed bound, people who, can't, you know, even children who, who um, will never actually make it into the therapy room, there is a way that people can now use this in a therapeutic way. Um, so that the portability aspect of it is just absolutely amazing. And the fact that you can clean it. So if you do have a hospital situation or... Or mm-hmm. even somebody who has a severe contact allergy to something, uh, as as we all who do Santra know, cleaning all of that is is very difficult. I see a lot of Facebook posts about people trying to figure out how to clean their sand. I I know people have ways they do that. I personally have never seen a study to show whether or not those ways really actually sanitize the sand. Yeah. Uh, and, and even if it is a way, it's a lot of work. Uh, it takes a lot of time and you're not going to be able to do that in between sessions. So I have a friend who has a child who has a severe contact allergy to peanuts. He also has a severe airborne allergy to peanuts mm. in 
in sense of uh, they were sitting in their car with him in a car seat with the window open and he was asleep and two doors down, somebody was eating a peanut butter sandwich and the, the particles wafted through the wind into their car and he broke out in full hives. So uh. that is not a child I would ever, ever, ever want to touch my traditional sand trade. No. I would be afraid we would be in the hospital in a heartbeat and um, yeah, or worse. That really scares me. So that's I'm another not, arena yeah. that keeps I must me clean. <laughs> Yeah, I must. Uh, oh, I must agree with you so much that especially when you get that child in who um, has maybe got a cold and they've got a bit of a runny nose. And yeah, I've I, I'm finding um, I didn't think we'd go into the physical kind of sand tray world for when we started this conversation. But I, I've actually got three bags of sand always on hand to just, you know, swap them out because over the years I've had glue added, glitter added, even though we have the rules about, you know, it's only the sand tray miniatures that go in the sand tray. Yeah, because yeah. There's, there's always something about um, the child who has glitter on their hands from something else and then decides to go in the, the sand tray. And I just think about the germs. And uh, once upon a time, I tried one of those methods of sanitizing it, you know, and, and never again. It took me three days to get it done. And so now, empty it out, put new sand in. Start again. Um, yeah, so I, I learned a long time ago how to how to kind of dry the sand out quickly. So I've got um, lots and lots of um, pillowcases so you go buy the sand, which is generally wet. You put it in the pillowcase and you leave it in the pillowcase till you need it. And it'll be dry and ready. Dry yeah. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and still a lot of work and coordination. And you know what? Sand is heavy. <laughs> oh, I, I'm glad I have my own building now because one of the things I used to do was drag around one of those really useful boxes. And like you've said, not only do you have the sand tray, you've then got all of the figures that go with it. Plus, if you're a play therapist, you know, and, and you're doing the creative stuff, then you have all the other stuff, the paint, the glue, yeah. that's, and it just, you look like you're moving house. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Good and, for fitness. Yes. Yes. So I think I'd like to get my exercise other ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we have a study, actually, that's going on. Um, I shouldn't say we because I have besides training the people on the virtual sand tray, I'm not part of the study, but I'm excited about it. So I guess I call it a we. Mm -hmm. um, there's a study going on at the University of Alabama right now with the virtual sand tray use with children who are in the pediatric burn unit. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at a lot of psychosocial factors and uh, whether or not it assists with a reduction in pain medication and increased compliance with the procedures because children who have been burned, they go through a lot of painful procedures. Uh, yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. It's a, it's a horrible thing. And it's a catch 22 because we're hoping to have enough people, you know, so that we have a robust N for our mm -hmm. sample size. But at the same time, nobody's wishing that anybody gets burned. So, no. Um, who knows how long it'll ultimately end up taking to get a proper number of people. And uh, like I said, in one way, I hope it takes a long time for these little kids to get burned. But it's it's very exciting to hear whether or not it, it pans out because intuitively my response is yes. It is an, an immersive experience. A lot yeah. of people are surprised by that. 
they come over and they do some trainings and they think, oh, well, you can't really get deeply involved in that. And then when they use the virtual sand tray, they realize, wow, I really became invested in what I just created. And mm-hmm. I didn't expect that through a digital process. Uh, yeah. Have you experienced that when um, you used it? I was going to say, actually, for me, it was a little bit like the first time I used uh, Minecraft in terms of the amount of... Um, time and dedication that you give to doing the, the task <clears throat> excuse me so for me um as i said to you what one of the things i did which is is a way of kind of elaborating to the people that are going to listen i actually handed it to my eight-year-old nephew and never gave him an instruction i never said anything um, and i said to you it was kind of like an expert i was doing an experiment basically wasn't i and i'd said to my nephew you know i've, I've been using this this game I wonder what you think of it. And what I did was I kind of passed the iPad over and, and he sat and said, well, what, what do you do? And I said, well, can you work it out? And then gave no more instructions. And it's really, really simple to use. But what I found is not only did he kind of open up the sand tray and was like, okay, so now I need to sort out where my figures are. He then started to put them, put them into the sand tray, et cetera, et cetera. And what was fantastic was he worked out how to make the figures move before I had Ah. And, and as I said, when, you know, when you'd said, you know, you can make the, the dragons fly and so, but he was saying, oh, look, 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 Anticath, look, Anticath, look what you can do with it. Look what you can do. And before we, we'd gone from this place of he was the, uh, the experimental subject, I'd actually joined him in cooperative play and was going, oh, right. I wonder if we could do this. I wonder if we could do this. And, and, and yes, you become, I want to use the word honed in, really focused on what you're doing. And mm-hmm. yes, it's not, it's not as, um, I'm going to say, quick as going and collecting a, um, an item off the, the, if you like, off the shelves. What I have noticed, actually, is you can go backwards and forwards over the figures and you can ponder a bit more about, would I like to change the colour? Would I like to do this? Where would I like to do this with it? What do I want to do with underneath it? Because there's much more I've found that you could do with the virtual one which is you can change underneath it instead of it being blue. You can have it like lava. You can have it in lots of the other different colors. And that for me made me go, Ooh, Oh, I like this because I can't do that in my own sand tray. It is blue because you know, the most sand trays are. Yeah. Right. I'm wondering if maybe we should describe some of that for some of the listeners. So when you, when you, when you start the program, it's available through the app store. Uh, yeah. It's available for iPad. We have uh, developed it initially, actually. My husband isn't a huge Apple fan. So initially, he designed it and developed it for Android-based. And what we have discovered, long story short, is that the uh, Android-based tablets, the processors are not standardized, which means you can buy a tablet from anywhere and have a collection of them and they are not all going to have the same processors. They're not going to run programs in the mm-hmm. same way. So some of them will run it beautifully, but some of them will not. And we can't put it out there and have it available on Android and say, oh, only use it on these tablets because a lot of people won't even see that. And then mm-hmm. they'll think that there's a problem with the program when it's really a problem with the tablet processor. Right. So at this point we can't, in good conscience, develop, I mean, not develop, but uh, launch it for Android-based. So at this point, it's iPad, and 
Apple dictates what model. So we're at model Air or newer. Uh, as you said, you have the iPad Pro and so do I. And I think that's the best because of the size yeah. of the yeah. working space. If you have a mini, you can imagine that your working space is quite small. Mm -hmm. And then if you have a Pro, which they have a couple different sizes, but they have a 12.9 inch and then they have a, what is it, a 10.2 and then a 9.7. So just think about it in terms of, I know it's more expensive to get the larger one, but we also don't want to be penny wise and pound foolish and you go and invest in an iPad and then the, you wish it was bigger. So, mm -hmm. so when you open it up, there are confidentiality features built in. There's an administrative login, which is the clinician. And then there's the client login so that you as an administrator can see everybody else's trays and the clients can't see anybody else's, but their own. Yep. And so whichever way you sign in, it opens up and you have your scan tray and you have some dials on the, on the lower corners and a slide on the side, on the right-hand side. And then you have some icons down at the bottom. You can dig, you can build up the sand. When you dig down, you can dig down to the liquid layer, which would like be like our blue bottom tray. Yeah. And then you yeah. can change that liquid layer to be lava or poison or blood there's all kinds of things mm -hmm. that you can put underneath there but if you if you don't dig down you can still paint the sand so as you were saying you can change what's underneath your your figure so you would be able to make grass or cobblestone or there's a variety of things and you can also do lava there you can place your models and then you can change their size and their their direction you can turn them around you can make them levitate up off the sand and that's for things that would traditionally fly like a bird or a plane, but it's also if you want a building up or if you want to put somebody down on top of a bed, you put the bed down and then you levitate the person, move them over, and then you can put them down on the bed. Mm -hmm. you, can you can take screenshots, you can take video, you can change the skybox, which is the, the skyline you know, yeah that's that's a fantastic feature it just it really really kind of changes how you're looking at your sand tray oh absolutely and what yeah. I have found some kids do is that they make them incongruent so they'll have this happy little scene with unicorns and a rainbow and it's just so beautiful and happy and then they'll change the skybox to be something dark and foreboding and then mm. they'll also change the liquid layer to be lava. So yeah. on the surface, it looks very pristine and happy, but really they're telling you there's things going on either behind the scenes or underneath the surface, um, or they'll do it vice versa. And, yeah. and I really find those things that they do that are incongruent to be very, very important uh, for, for them to express. And for me to understand as the therapist. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of them's like a galaxy, isn't it? And I'm just thinking about kind of mm -hmm. the, the the levels at which kind of like the dark and foreboding, there is um that there's just so many choices for each I'm just thinking about explaining this. There's so many choices for each category of each thing that you want to do for the sand yeah. tray. And that kind of, um, I'm not even thinking about triple or quadruple. It, I can't even think of the factor that it changes it between what you can't do with a real life sand tray and what you can do with this virtual one. And, and for the choices 
So we, the, the pack that you buy when you get it off the internet, you know, right straight from the app store, is, it has over 800, I actually think we're over 900 now, models, 3D models. And the 3D part's important because you can rotate all the way around your tray and you don't want it to be a flat 2D object. Mm. So they're, they're all 3D. You can go anywhere you want rotating around and, and you'll still be able to see a full figure. And the, um, the, we have over 900 available in that basic pack. And we fashioned it after Homeyer and Sweeney's Sand Tray Therapy book, where they explain what the basic categories are that you should start with. Trees yeah. and people and animals and fences and buildings and those kinds of things. So your basic pack gives you all of those and you shouldn't need to buy anything else. But as we all know, in traditional, we're always buying new miniatures <laughs> <laughs> everywhere yeah. you go. And so if you have a client who is particularly into dragons and you want more dragons than comes with the basic pack, you can get an expansion pack. And most of them are 99 cents. The most expensive one we have is $9.99 US. Mm-hmm. And it is a, and, and there's only one of them. And that is the Ott play package i don't know if you're familiar with um, yeah i haven't i haven't been and bought that one and i'm i'm going i'm going to put on my um caveat here yet yes because <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm already going oh i wonder how many more i don't yeah it is pretty much like being in the real world i am i am using that word uh, passionate but yeah sometimes <laughs> i'm just like yeah i need i need more i need more in this more of them yes because we have over 5,000 3D models available in there. So you can really customize your collection just like we can in the real world. Um, I play really quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I came down with a cold right before the day before we were doing this. So I apologize for my voice. But <clears throat> I play is a program that was started by Dr. Robert Jason Grant here in the United States. And it's a combination of treatment for autism. Uh, behavioral based and play therapy. And he and I were talking about how fantastic this app, the virtual sand tray is for people who are on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. and for a variety of reasons. And I said to him, are there things you would like to see in there? And so he started saying, yes, I'd love this, this, and this. And I said, well, why don't we put a package together and it can be called the Opplay package. And so he did. And so he has a, a number of, of models, 3D models that he chose to be in that package. And then he also created 20 tray directives. So with a client who's on the spectrum, you might be more directive in what you're going to be doing with the tray mm-hmm. on any given time. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, a you and me tray, a tray about, the client and the tray about yourself and, and, and both in the tray. And there's, there's a, a description for each of, of what you would want to say and what you would, what the tray focus would be. So mm-hmm. all of that is included in the Ot play package. So just to explain that a little bit for people who don't know what that is. Yeah. I I'm looking at um, some alt play training actually, which I saw on one of the play therapy uh, Facebook pages, I think the other week. Yes. Yeah, it's a fantastic training, and I you can do it online and and through books, and then you can also do it in person. So there's a lot of options. 
as much as I use digital and so on, if I'm going to go and do learning, then for me, it's experiential. I've got to be in the room. I, <laughs> sounds, I totally agree with you. <laughs> which sounds so contradictory to what it is that we're actually saying about what you can do with digital stuff. But at, at the same time, I think our... I think it's more to do with our profession about being in a room and being able to sit with with the technology or with the person and, and do the learning. Right, exactly. Even for the virtual sand tray, I, I can do a Skype type training and they can have the iPads in their hands and I can have mine and it can be projected. But for me, I would much rather be in the room and sitting with them and saying, oh, here's how you do it. Or answering any questions that they have or, or just that in-person interaction, which yeah. is one of the things for the virtual sand tray, because some people think that you're missing something because it's on a tablet, but it is still very interactive when, when you want it to be. It's not, yeah. a, it's not an isolative process. Mm. Are you going to say something? No, I was just thinking then that actually that there is something mm. about even if, and what, what I've noticed is even when you're sitting with stuff, you're still part of this process. So there is something about yes. it's it's not as disconnecting as people actually think. And, you know, the idea of, of it's not so much missing something because what, I, what I'm able to do is I'm able to watch for a short while before interjecting with a question about, so what, what, what's going on with that figure there? What does, what does that one do? Or why does that one do that? Fairly similar to what I would do with a real sand tray, just that yeah. what, what I can do more so when I'm watching a client with the digital stuff is I can pay more attention to what they're doing. So when mm. I, I've noticed that the thing about real sand tray, if I say that, somebody quite often turns their back to you when they're looking for figures. That you, you've kind of got to lean round a little bit to watch what's going on with the body or, or watch what's happening. Whereas I'm, I've noticed as you were talking, then I was like, hmm, I noticed when I'm watching my client, I can almost see the thinking process while they're changing. And then you, you almost see their face light up about, oh, that's the dragon I wanted. Right. Why that dragon? What was it about that dragon? Why didn't you want one of the other dragons? And I, I would actually miss that in the real work because I wouldn't see that happening. Right, because their back would be yeah, yeah. Depend, depending on your setup. And, and the thing, people sometimes ask me, well, how do you do this? Mm. And in terms of theory, because there are a lot of different ideas on how sand tray therapy should be done. Mm -hmm. and, and not like sand play, which is much more regimented. Sand tray is more open and there's a lot of different ways. So my answer is you use it just like you would a traditional sand tray. You speak, mm -hmm. you speak to them in the same places and ways that you would if you were, some people would ask the questions you were talking about. Some people wouldn't ask any questions. It doesn't matter. It's how you yeah. were trained to do it, how you find is the most therapeutic and, and you apply those same principles to the digital process as opposed to the traditional process. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I thought of while you were talking too was I didn't mention earlier that you can save the trays. So it is one of the differences yeah. that in the traditional people have different ideas about who cleans up when and after the session, within the session, mm -hmm. all that conversation. But the, the fact of the matter is that your clients are working on this sand tray. They're putting all this, this very important subconscious information out onto this traditional sand tray, and then it's going to be gone yeah. in some way. 
either going to be cleaned up with you or it's going to be cleaned up when they're not there. But either way, they're coming back next session and it's not still sitting there. Yeah. So, and then there's a lot of reasons why that's a, a good thing. But at the same time, it's gone. And we can take pictures and all of that. And we do. But in the virtual sand tray, you can save that because essentially it's a file. So you can save that file. You name it. I, I have my clients name their files. And yeah. it's interesting to me as well of what they're going to name it. And then the next time, if they want to work on it again, you pull that file up again and there's their tray sitting there in the same condition it was when they left it. Sometimes they don't want to go back to it for months. So it sits and it waits for them. Sometimes they never go back to it. But if they do go back to it, I do suggest to people that you, you change the file name ever so slightly. So if they name it flowers, the first time they come in, the next time they work on it, I would name it flowers one or flowers a or, or yeah. some, some additional, because then when that does, just like we do on our computers, it saved it in its original form as a file. And then it'll yeah. save it as its updated form as a file. And then I can go back in my own time and compare and contrast. What did they do? What did they change? How did the mood change? Did they change the background? Did they change the liquid layer? You know, any of it. Yeah. And to me, that's really amazing, powerful information for me to be able to go back and do that with such ease. Yeah. Well, straight away, I'm thinking, and that's the thing you can't really do in terms of with, with a real Santra is that, that you get 50 minutes progression and no more. Because that's that's right. the, that's like the session time, so right. all all you can ever do is watch the progression from the moment they start working with the sand to the end. But these sand trays, um, so it was interesting. My nephew came last weekend. First thing he did, uh, Auntie Catherine, have you got that? Have you got that thing? Have you got that <laughs> sand tray thing? And I said that's so interesting. But he wanted to know were his files still on there. Um, as they had been the week before when he'd had a go on it, because um, obviously he's eight and time's a little bit different for eight-year-olds, isn't it? Um, but he'd, he'd kind of said, because it's, it's a bit like when you play Minecraft, and I thought, wow, actually, this is the thing that children will naturally do now. If they're playing on something digital, they are going to expect that there is a save format as there would yeah. be on a game. So, this, yeah, but I, I was thinking as you were talking and I was like, yes, but the thing is, is, oh, my God, there could be 20 different sand trays and you can see the progression from one to number 20 in terms of sessions. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh. and I go back through in my administrative mode login and I look at all of that in my mm. when mm -hmm. I'm formulating what's going on with the case, where where yeah. I think it needs to head all of that when I'm doing that preparation work. And, and you can, with the screenshots, you can print them out if you wanted to. You, you would handle it as you would if you took a, a picture of yeah. a traditional tray in your session. So all, all of that. And, and, and in addition, one of the things that I think you all do very well over there in the UK that, that we don't do as well here in the United States is that, that you all are required to have supervision ongoing. Mm -hmm. And, and we are not required. People do, but we're not required to. So, um, so hats off to you all, because I think that's a fantastic thing. And for supervision, we built in into the virtual sand trade that say you're my supervisor, we become colleagues within the app. 
And so it's like being friends on something else, but we become uh, colleagues with, within the app. And then I can send you an encrypted file of my client's tray. And I can say, look under the castle, there's something buried under there. And when you receive the file, so you would get an email saying uh-huh. Jessica Stone sent you a virtual sand tray file and you would open it up. So everybody knows that if it's not claimed within seven days, it will disappear because we didn't want those just kind of hanging out there in, in our cloud. So it's not, it's not the cloud that would go with your other programs. It's specific yeah. to this program. And it is all encrypted. I made my husband show it to me and it's all gibberish. So (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just so protective of our clients' information. I'm like, I need to see it for myself. Um, and then you would be able to, on your end, really go through, tear that that file apart, that tray, just go through everything. It doesn't affect the in the original file that I still have on my iPad with my client's account. And then when we get into supervision, you have literally explored that tray. Yes. And we yeah. can have a very rich conversation. And, and I don't have to sit here for a half an hour in session describing to you what's in the pictures or where things were or anything because you've, you've done it. You've looked through it. I am. Um, do you know, I hadn't, I hadn't actually looked at that aspect of it, uh, Jessica, at all, but I'm now going, oh, my God. God, we need to be using this. And I am so excited about this is going to be how we start to do some of the work over the next five, 10 years. And I was just thinking, I, you know, I love it when I go to my supervisor because I, I could literally describe the session. There's going to be bits that I omit, that I forget, that I reenact, that the sand tray is the sand tray. And actually there's the factual piece of information. So for me, there's something about my supervisor can look at it with a different set of eyes and go, okay, Kath, this is what I see. And I, and just have that different perspective. But for me, I was just like, oh, wow, this is no longer that unconscious process that gets taken into supervision that gets missed. Because, you know, I might say, well, I did this with the client and I did that not I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good actually at going, this is where I cocked up. This is, this is what I did wrong. Or this is where I interjected <laughs> and it was probably the wrong. Um, but there are some people who, who don't have that capacity to be able to do that. And, and, well, and, and yeah. we are going, we, we are human. We, yeah. We're therapists, but, but we're human. And we're going to look at it through a lens of our own. And then we're going to present it to our supervisors with that lens because we're human. And we probably do a good job of being more well-rounded than maybe some others and saying, well, it could be this or it could be that. But the fact that, that you can send this file over and your supervisor can look at it without you interjecting your lens whatsoever and they can look at it with theirs, then you can have a very rich conversation. Yeah. And, and the client is in the sand tray, aren't they? It's, it's almost like, so for the, for the last probably four, five, maybe six years, I've done that taking the photographs of a client's sand tray. And then I'll say to my, my supervisor, this is, this is what happened. Um, yeah. And again, it's my narrative about where we're up to at that point in time. So it's literally that flashpoint, isn't it? That's the photograph. But actually what they don't get is, any of the changes that had happened before they don't get to see the week before it's ah oh, i am so excited about that in terms of just where <laughs> child therapy can go 
it, it, particularly in this country. So what's what's flashed through my head so far, Jessica, is we definitely need training on this in this country and it needs to be two days, never mind about one day. We need to be doing yeah. two days on, on kind of this because there's something about the Santray therapy training and then the virtual Santray training. Because yeah. I think at the moment there's lots and lots of practitioners, and this is my personal experience and a little bit of reflection from Louis Cozzolino, there's lots of practitioners who claim to have done lots of lots of different trainings and there's lots and lots of gurus. But actually, this is about a whole process that's got so many different layers that I think Santre training ought to be at least a week. I think it's, it's just such a complicated subject. I agree. Um, and, and what I do see is, is, you know, people go in and saying, well, I've done a, a one-day Santre training course. Right. Um, and, no, no, no. Uh, uh, no, and as we've <laughs> said, you know, getting, getting what the digital world can actually do into a, into a framework in a, in a training room takes much, much more than four to six hours or two, as you mentioned earlier right. before we were right. talking. So that for me, there's something about this could be a whole week-long training and, and – and I, I'm just thinking about how many supervisors could train in this in this country. And then, yeah, exponentially, I think this is this is the way, for me personally, this is the way I think I'm going to be going in terms of I, I already use digital technology. And this is just, it was such a godsend to come across this app. Well, it's so exciting that, that we were already starting to be connected. And then you realized that it was it, it was me that... Yeah, there was there was a, there was a bit of noob going on. I, I it was the fact I'd gone. Oh my god, this is the lady who's done the soundtrack. Why have I not put these two together? <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, one of one of the the next steps that we did uh, is that I came home and, from a conference and I said to my husband, his name is Chris. I said, Chris. I know what the next step is that we have to do with this virtual sand tray. And, and I could almost hear his eyes rolling up into his head. <laughs> what is she going to come up with now? And um, he's been so gracious with me and all my crazy ideas. But I, I said, it needs to be in VR. It needs to be in virtual reality. Yeah. And yeah. And so there he went and he developed it for virtual reality. Now, for some people, whoa, that is a whole nother huge step <laughs> far away from what we do. But, but hold on with me for just a minute and, and just imagine, especially with this virtual Santray program. So you are now part of the world that you are creating. Oh, yeah. And you can walk in the world and interact with the figures and the miniature 3D models that you have put in there. So if you have a child who's been having some difficulty with a bully and they make this world about this situation or, or whichever aspect of this with the bully, they can role play. They can put, you know, how we talk about, oh, the, the hero figure, you know, <laughs> when you're playing in anything, mm -hmm. um, you can interject all of that into it. And it's a pretty amazing process. I, I, I am going to, I'm, I'm so trying to self-regulate at the moment because I am, <laughs> I am. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep myself within the sound limits because the, um, straight, straight away. I'll tell you where my head went to that with Jessica is, was whoop, 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 because 
this is I mean this is the work of uh, Tony Bean as well isn't it if we just for a moment kind of just kilter over to the avatar uh, work and and kind of becoming your avatar and etc etc um and the the lovely books that he's done on um you know uh, the, so he's done a chapter in your book, which we'll come to in a minute. He's done the book about um, the Legend of Zelda, and I straight away went, "Oh my God, I'm now talking to VR companies because what I wanted to do was say to them, look, in therapy, one of the things we do is we need mastery, we need to be able to have autonomy, we need, and there's not much that exists really for children to be able to do that. And as you were talking, then I was like, oh, we could be." George and the dragon we could slay the dragon in a VR world that's like a Santre world and that is the outcome for some of these children they would be able Absolutely. to rid themselves of the demon they would be able to conquer and become masters of their own world their unconscious yeah. world which oh, wow and in uh, VR you can do it in, yeah. in, in the developing world it, not developing not in that way in the world of, of game development yeah <laughs> is what I meant. <clears throat> they call it God mode. Yes. This is not our term. <laughs> but that you would be up above the tray and you could create it like we do a traditional. So you're up above it and you're creating or you can transport down to the level of the sand and walk amongst your your minute, your figure. Yeah, and, and, and that exists, doesn't it? And in terms of, I'm just thinking, um, so I was talking to my son earlier about Skyrim and, and the VR mode that currently, because he was, he was actually playing this morning Skyrim uh, on, on the PS4, but wasn't in the, the VR mode. And we were talking about some of the games, and I, um, I'm just going to say it's, it's a little bit like when you play games in third-person perspective. So, for example, like Halo Reach, and then you come down and you can actually do first-person shooter. This is, this is exactly what children are doing in, in terms of gaming. And yeah. this would allow them, and I'm, I'm just thinking straight away, this almost sounds like you could live in Minecraft world. You could then go over to Santre world and you could go over. Yeah. Wow. This yeah. is, I mean, this is the way I keep saying to everybody, VR is the way to go. And well, it I'm absolutely hoping, is. Yeah. So I'm, is. I'm hoping I to actually, use it in therapy. Yes. I'm actually using VR in therapy at this point. So I have the HTC Vive and the Oculus Quest, both in my office. The HCC Vive, I still think, is the way to go. You have to have a computer. Yeah. It runs. What we're doing is we're talking about an immersive experience. Mm -hmm. And if you have hardware, hardware would be the unit. If you have hardware that is not able to run the more complex programs, then you're losing some of that immersion you're losing some of that ability for mastery because the controllers are not able to do the same things as the high end. So even though something like the Oculus Quest, for people who don't know what that is, it's an all-in-one unit. So you have the headset and then you have the controllers as opposed to the, the Vive or the Rift and you have to have sensors and a computer. I know all of that to some people sounds a little bit confusing, but there's more of a setup to survive mm -hmm. and, the, and the rift than there is to this uh, all-in-one unit. And so you're, you're losing processing power. You're losing abilities to do certain things within the programs when you go to an all-in-one unit at this time. I'm sure we're headed towards much bigger, better things, but that's where we uh -huh. are. Yeah. Um, and so I have found that the Vive is fantastic in my office. 
And there's even a program called Nature Treks that I really enjoy. And it's, it's, um, it's, I think, intended initially as a meditative program. But you can pick a bunch of different worlds that you can go into environments that can be snowy. And then you have little snow bunnies and, and deer and things walking around. Or it can be a green meadow or it can be water. It can be all sorts of things. And, and you can go in there and you can plant your own trees and rocks and flowers. And you can make the environment customized to how you want. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of experiences with kids who have are highly anxious and they have a lot of difficulties. I one regulating, two identifying what even helps them to regulate. And I have found VR to be amazing in that process. Um, and we can have a whole other podcast all on that, so I won't go into it more. Well, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, to, uh, I'm I'm about to get the the vibe in terms of motion sickness because the PS4 um, is is slightly too heavy. Although I did do quite a lot of research around kind of the head weight and and kind yeah. of. Um, so I've just just got a paper on. Um, motion sickness um muscle fatigue for children etc etc so i'm going to be reading through that i will i will talk to you off uh off the podcast because there's i think we're singing from the same song sheet on this one completely (laughs) anyway um but in terms of and actually nature treks is the one that i've asked this gaming company um so i'm i'm in contact with a VR company that also use the big body suits that you can do the flying in and so on. Cause I'm, I'm, I just want to play on this stuff. I'm sure that's my <laughs> ulterior motive is that's what I'm aiming for. Um, but for me, there's, there's something about, and I loved, I love the phrase of that immersive technology is immersive in the sand tray happens. You know, if you're, if you're sitting in a, in a therapy room with a client, you kind of get that immersive moment for, a brief snapshot don't you in terms of the 50 minutes it's not fully immersive for the inf- entire 50 yeah. minutes vr technology takes you straight in and then the kind of ar and and third person god god mode perspective is kind of in between so I, i'm i'm with you totally but vr is the way that i think we could be going and, and in terms of what we're able to do with clients um, what they're able to do actually internally with their own processes. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of brings us, because um, I'm just aware of the time. Um, I that, know. Yes, and you are, you are at the APA, so I'm aware that um, you've got to uh, go off and um, do your, your panel later on uh, today. Yeah. Um, but this was the other part of the podcast, which I said we would come to, is your, your book, Integrating Technologies into Modern Therapies. So this is this is essentially what we've just been talking about in terms of all of the different ways that we can use technology in therapy. And A, um, I do now know that I have managed to tell um, everybody I know from ACTO, which is the Association for Counseling Therapy Online, um, a number of those have bought your book. Um, I've been pointing my Prof, uh, the supervisor professor towards it is I've just been saying to everybody this is what we need to be doing in this country we really do um right. and and I'm not sure okay. we've we've got to the stage where everything is in that book I think there's at least another three four volumes to follow that isn't there so oh no absolutely I already have the second one mapped out and yeah. a number of authors lined up for it we when you're publishing you're limited by by words or by pages, depending yeah. on the publisher. And there's only so much you can fit in. And you want to have a lot of chapters, but you don't want them to be so short that they're not covering what you want them to cover, what needs to be covered. So 
you, you come to some middle ground of, okay, they can only be this long and we can only have this many chapters. So there's, yeah. there's quite a bit actually that I would love to include and will be doing in the subsequent, um, uh, I don't even want to call them additions because it's, it's, it's like additional volume, not yeah. in, in another edition of the same book. So, um, but that is definitely in the works and, and really trying to guide people into why this is therapeutically appropriate. Mm. what different arenas you can use this and yeah. and it's not just for play therapists and it's not even just for all um completely mental health therapists there are portions in the book about using this in the child life specialties in hospitals yeah um, so I, I don't know what they're called called there in the uk but, but well i mean we help the children yeah, in the yeah. hospital yeah yeah well, I've noticed um, when I was talking to this VR, this VR company, so um, it was it was a long conversation um, and we talked about kind of the benefits and where I see things going and what I'm interested in, in terms of um, kind of what happens when we become immersed in this technology. And then I, I, I kind of talked to the, these gentlemen and, and said, one of the things that's really interesting is this can be used for, you know, CBT kind of therapies where people want to get over phobias. It can be used as a team building day. It can can be used for children in hospital about taking them through the procedure you know this technology allows us to go from a to b via z you know because this is that was what we used to do we used to go right this is what we're going to do we're going to talk it out and actually the this other, opens it up doesn't it fabulous yes and the and the other end of that is also for training yeah for for, for people to to be able to learn and, and as we both said earlier we both really appreciate and prefer the in-person training but there are people who don't live in areas where training is <clears throat> commonly provided I know I personally live in a very rural area and there's a, a large mountain range between myself and where most of the trainings take place now luckily for me I travel quite a bit like you said I'm at the American Psychological Association conference right now and so I'm here to present but I can also attend so I do get a, a good portion um, of time with face-to-face -face trainings. But if I wasn't traveling for presenting, I would have m drastically fewer opportunities to do in-person trainings. And so we have to be able to have people have a way to expand their knowledge. Yeah. And, and yes, most places require a certain number of in-person training hours and things like that for our licensure and whatnot. But, but what if you want to do more? What if you want to look into something different? Yeah. So it's for both the client benefit and it's also for us professionally, which in turn benefits our clients. Absolutely. And I've, I've seen that um, Peter Diamandis, um, so I'm trying to remember which book I read it in, um, but Peter Diamandis has been saying, uh, actually education is going VR. So if education's going yeah. VR, why are we not doing some of the training in there, the actual yeah. therapeutic work? Um, well, there's a lot happening in VR. I, I presented at a conference called Virtual Med. In um, they, they abbreviated as VMed. And it's through Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. And I was quite honored to be part of that mm. uh, conference. It's, it's medically based. It's because it's at Cedar sinai but they're bringing in the mental health component and <laughs> dr walter greenleaf through stanford has been doing work in vr for over 30 years dr skip rizzo who's through um 
you, you see there's there's so many do you see or usc i'm sorry i think it's usc and that there's there's a lot that's going on in the medical world and now even building quite a bit in mental mm -hmm. health um even m women who are laboring they're having them in the at least the early stages of labor use the vr to reduce the need for epidurals there's yeah. there's a, so much going on um but it, both in training and in in the actual clinical application so it i i do think vr has the potential to change our field drastically um, as far as training goes what you were saying is is what they did is they set up i don't even know how many cameras in the training room and people uh, there's a woman sarah is it ticho ticho i'm not sure how to pronounce it she's over there in the uk um, she was able to attend the, she does a lot of work of VR uh, in these ways in your country. So maybe uh, you might want to connect with, she's amazing. Um, but she was able to attend the conference through her VR headset because she wasn't able to attend in person. So what that means for people who haven't done VR is, is you put the headset on and because there's so many cameras during the training, you're looking left and right and all around and it's as though you're sitting there. Mm -hmm. You can see Joe Schmo, whoever is sitting next to you. You could be sitting next to me in the audience and, and watching what I'm watching and hearing what I'm hearing. And it is yeah. as though your mind, your body, your everything, your senses, everything are telling you that you are in that room watching that training. But really, she was in her home in the UK. Yeah. And I'm trying desperately to remember whose video I watched. I have a funny feeling it's probably something to do with Peter Diamandis. And they actually did a conference, <clears throat> excuse me, and all attendees were people at home with VR headsets on. Yes. And I was like, this is, this is where we're heading. And actually, that's going to have, um, st I mean, just in terms of CPD, I'm thinking, because it, it's really expensive to go to training. So I'm, I'm in the north of England. And again, by myself um, and I think I've probably said this to Tony I got and, and Ryan Kelly and all the rest of them I don't know how many times I'm quite isolated here because not only am I one of the only kind of child therapists doing this but I'm certainly the only child therapist who's kind of working in this way with technology I've got nowhere else to go so where do I go for training so right. I, I would be able to attend training without having to take a week away two weeks away from my clients I would be able to attend training with people like yourself and that that is what I want to be doing yes and yes. I, I, I think wow agree. and I and and it's happening already in yeah. other fields and and mental health really needs to step it up mm -hmm. in my opinion and in and in many countries uh, not just the UK in the United States as well and we can get into all the conversations and we definitely don't have time for that here today, but, but <laughs> no. you know, a, a lot of the things that people bring up and their concerns and whatnot. And, and, and here's my answer to that in a, like a, a short nutshell that if we choose to do another one of these, we can talk about it more, but, but my nutshell is that yes, yes, we need to learn more. We need to know what effects are. And I think it's yeah. critical and crucial. Um, Yes, there's a lot of moral panic and folk devils out there about this. Mm -hmm. A lot of improperly done research, which brings me to the whole, um, what's his name, Weinstein, uh, Andrew, the one who did the, the autism study. 
Um, oh, Andrew Wakefield. And, yeah, Wakefield, thank you. I knew it was a W. And, and it brings me to that of, you know, where people are still quoting his work and it was, it was not valid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he lost his license, like it was horrible work, but, but people still talk about it and use it as a basis of things. So we have to be very careful that we're not doing that in this field. Um, and, and then the third piece is, this is our client's language. This is the language they speak. Yes. And, and so if we are identifying ways that this is therapeutically appropriate, which we are, then it's not about all that other stuff. It's about accepting who our clients are, the language they speak yeah. and utilizing that because think of it the other direction, which most people don't do. If you are excluding when they bring in their interests, when they want to use it in session and any of that, you are excluding an entire component of your client's life and their being and their identity. Yeah. And that is a mistake. Uh, Wow. I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to actually say because I'm I'm well aware we do need to wrap up. Um, yes. Apart from yes, yes, please let's do another one of these. Uh, in fact, let's do another five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them. Um, <laughs> but I I actually quoted something very very similar not so long ago when I was doing um so I did a, an interview about um sex and porn talk in the therapy room and actually said if we don't allow that space for this kind of talk to happen because of digital technology what we do do is we compartmentalize the client's psyche based on our issues it's the, it's the same with any kind of digital technology if a client comes in and tells me that they are a Fortnite player a, a minecraft player whatever it is and i kind of go yeah well i don't really understand that conversation closed right i've already changed how that therapeutic alliance is going to be for the rest of our sessions absolutely yeah so this is this is about we need to have that open space and narrative don't we yes and and comfort and competence on the on on in the place of uh of fear and and ignorance is paramount yeah oh wow well i think that's a fantastic place to uh, finish this interview (laughs) on um a, so that you can you can get yourself ready and do what you need to, and B, because um, uh, I'm I'm ready to ask about another 40, 50 questions. So I'm going to curb it. Okay. And thank you, thank we'll you so much. One. Yeah, thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate the time. Thank you. This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.